Welcome to the Glory Podcast. We're so glad that you're listening. Our mission is to declare God's glory. Please visit glorychurchkc.com to hear all of our other messages. Well, guys, I will tell you, I am... um, so excited for, for this time. I could talk, you know, all the time about the vision and values of the church, but really the point of it is uh, there's a lot of things that people don't realize that go into a church, and if unspoken, wrong things get communicated by the church. Uh, so I'll be specific. Uh, have you guys ever seen the, the TV show Brain Games? Anyone? Yeah, we got someone up here. Uh, so Brain Games just follows the funny things that our brains do. And there's one that everyone was sitting, sitting down, and then the trick was a beep would happen. And as a beep happened, everyone who knew what they were doing, who was paid for this, uh, would stand up and then sit down. And if you want to see it, it is the, the funniest thing. I will send you the YouTube link. In fact, on the like, recording, I'll just have it in the bottom because it's so funny. And the woman, she just looks up and she's so confused. And it's like, beep. And they stand up and they sit down. And some of them are reading their, their magazines and they're just doing it. And she's so confused. The third beep happens. And guess what she does? She stands up and then sits down. And it's just, you're watching this and you're like, what is she doing? She has no idea what she's doing, but it's like, beep. And she, it just keeps going, and, and some of the beeps are quick, and they're just standing up and then sitting, and you, as you're watching this, you're like, this is crazy. But then the, the narrator from the outside says, now let's see what happens as we start taking away the actors. And so they get called in uh, to their eye appointments, and the beep still happens. And one by one, people leave, and she's in there. She's alone, and beep, she stands up, <laughs> and then sits back down. And you're just like, what is going on? And then the narrator's like, now let's see when we have just fresh perspective in the room, people who have no idea what's going on, what will happen. And so a man walks in, sits down, beep, she stands up, and he's like, what's going on? And he asks, what's happening? She's like, I don't know. We just did it because everyone else did. And so, beep, she stands up, he stands up, sits down. Then like three, four, five people come and they're just all standing and they have no idea why they're standing and sitting down. I got to tell you the sad truth is that's a lot of how our churches work. That there are these unspoken rules that you should dress this certain way, that you should behave this certain way, that your life should look this certain way. And a lot of it is because this unspoken beep happens and people play the part. And the wrong thing is that it begins communicating very, very demeaning, detrimental, off-putting things to the gospel. Like, one, it showcases God's people a certain way, but really it showcases God. I mean, have you ever been to a place and walked into a church and instantly you can see and feel the unspoken rules, the things you're not allowed to talk about, the things that you can't bring up, the life that you have to sort of leave in the the corner, you can't be all yourself. And it's not, they they never spoke that. They never stood up on the stage saying you can't be real or you can't show your your issues or uh, you you can't come wearing X, Y, Z. You just believe it because the beep is happening and other people are doing it. And so I I want the culture of Glory Church to know what those beeps are. Because there's obviously good, good 
beeps, good things of social learning, like, uh, you know, like hospitality, that, that it's just, it is just a thing we do to be kind to people. That's just like, that's a good thing. That's a good beep. Uh, another one, uh, it is really good. Uh, a normal beep should be serving together. And we'll get into that. A normal beep should be, we live life in community. And so small groups, like those are, those are good beeps that we want to be intentional about so that when people see us respond, they respond too. But I also, I want to take these next six weeks I want to take these next six weeks to be very clear about who we are so that unspoken rules don't come in. Because I'll tell you, I'm a pastor, but I also make mistakes. I am a husband who does not do a very good job of being a husband. Uh, I am a, I'm a dad who still struggles with anger because I've seen a dad be angry above me. And so we are all in process, and the worst thing that I can do as a pastor is present myself as untouchable, as perfect, as per- perfectionist, like, because what that does to you is think that that's how you should respond back to me. No. Guys, we're in this together. We're in this together. So I want to be a church that knows what our beeps are, <laughs> that knows what our beeps are, and to be very careful about the other ones. So we have six core values. If you look at our website, they're on there. Uh, I don't know if you guys have brought a phone, but I would love for you to take notes. Uh, I have some, some fun little uh, slides up there, but really this is just what I want embedded in our culture. Um, for the future, I will, if you guys are more tactile people, I will have pens and paper under the chairs so that you guys can uh, be a little more. And we got some people who brought their notebooks. Uh, so yeah, we will we'll make sure that you have what you need to, to follow through. But our first value, and I'm really excited about it, is living his truth. That we as people will live his truth. I don't know, you've heard a lot about what our vision is to see a city changed by homes that are changed. But our mission is to declare God's glory among the nations. It's just very simple. You're like, well, what is that church about? Well, they just are, they're people who are going to declare God's glory among the nations. Uh, they, we just want to declare God's glory, his greatness, his goodness, how big he is, that he's real, that he's valuable. We want to just shout out how good God is. And among the nations, meaning it's not going to be among people who look like me. Because our good God, our glorious God, is a God of all nations. And that's the picture that we want. So that's the big image, but we'll do that for today through living his truth. Living his truth. Um, there is a very interesting, my, my pastor uh, that we served in for six and a half years, uh, his name is Pastor Pat. They're actually our sending church. Um, so if you ever hear me talk about CCF, that, is, that was our home base. I served as a pastor to students with him, and one of his calling cards was, the Bible is meant for living, not just for learning. That was a huge thing to him, that the Bible is meant for living, not just for learning, because we get in a serious issue when we think that the Bible is just something to read, to educate, to talk about, to, to, to start telling other people about, but we don't actually live it. Uh, because there is something so destructive that happens when we do not live the Bible, I don't know if you've ever been uh, in a church that just talks a lot about truth. They educate it. They make sure that all of their things are, are going on, that, that uh, all of their 
um, my notes are not loading on that, so I'm just gonna load it on here. Um, they make sure all of the things that they're doing is about truth, um, but they struggle to teach that we should live it. This is James, you know, the brother of Jesus. James is calling hard that, the, that faith without actions is dead, that you can say that you, that you believe in God, but if, if it's not lived in what you're doing, then it's not being communicated as anything. This is Jesus' brother. I bet that finally, did you know, Scripture says in the Gospels that his brothers did not believe in him. So something happened in James's heart when he began realizing that his brother really lived truth. And, and when, when he saw his brother die, when he saw the, the resurrection take, take, he knew that if I was going to actually do this, I need to live it. I need it to be everything that I do, that the Bible is not just meant, God's word is not just meant to talk about, to be spoken about, to teach little kids about, but it's meant to be shown by the quality at which we live, the life that we, we have on a day-to-day basis. Um, so I have a passage for us to read, um, and Jesus gets a little blunt to people. We won't read all of the bluntness of Jesus, but I will have the whole passage up there so that you can read it later. Um, it is going to be in John 8. Um, Because though James talks post-Jesus' words, uh, Jesus sits with some disciples in John 8 and gets a little bit blunt with them. And it starts off with this. So if our value is to live in truth, sorry, I'm in everyone's way. There you go. Jesus says, this is then Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you continue in my word, you are, my tr- you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free, will make you free. This is the very beginning of something that is gonna, about to be very awkward that happens. There is a lot of Jews, uh, people who are, who are born into the tradition of, of uh, the Jewish heritage. They were, they, Father Abraham was their literal descendant. Like he, they, they knew all the things about how to be a good Jew, and so they believed that Jesus was who he said he was. It's very interesting that they are believing, but we can believe all we want, but if we believe about Jesus, that's very different than living in truth, and you'll see that. So uh, he, he says, those who continue in my words are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. There's a, a pattern that's going on. If you continue in my word... I want to be people who live in truth, which means on a weekly basis, I will not just be talking about truth. I will talk about how you can continue in it. There's a very different thing. Uh, we, we could talk about truth all day. You can read about it. Uh, you can open the Bible and read it. But to continue in it means to be lingered in it. Have you ever went to a Tex-Mex uh, place, you, you know, the text message is just one, like, it's not authentic, and you, you wish it was, because it, authentic Hispanic food is amazing, but you go, and it just leaves this lingering smell, and you're like, I'd rather it be a real smell on me, Joaquin's like, yeah, and it leaves this lingering smell on your clothes, and you, you're, who ate Tex-Mex? And you're like, it was me, um, because just some of the, some restaurants just leave a lingering smell in you. Uh, on your clothes, like it just it just sits with you. This is the imagery of continuing in that you need to be remaining, and that the, the word of God needs to be lingering in on you. That it smelled that we are the fragrance of Christ. All of this, so it's not just to hear about 
scripture, but to be lingering in it. And so on a Sunday, in small groups, we will continue in God's word, but he continues because he says, not just if you continue my word, but if you continue in my word, you will be my disciples, my true followers. And you'll be my true followers because you're continuing in my word. That those who hear about him, there's a difference. You can hear about Jesus all you want and not be a follower of Jesus. And I think we live in a culture that gets those things mixed up because we do a hard time showing the difference as believers. But he says, those who will be my disciples will know the truth. Now, I love this word truth because it's going to get into, if we live his truth, guess what the word truth means in this context? Reality. Truth means, the, the Greek word for truth means a, a fact about reality, how it really is. That to live his truth means to live his reality. i got to tell you, even this morning, um, I, I get into fears. Does anyone spiral down in fears often? Um, anyone spiral down in anxiety? Uh, yeah, it's real. Uh, anyone start planting in your mind false realities of how people are going to respond or how things are going to happen? Yeah. I got to tell you, that is not living in truth, and we agree, but we also don't remember before Jesus where every definition that we had of life was also a false reality. That when we thought to matter, we have to do X, Y, and Z. That we thought the reality was that, that, that value will come here. That we, we thought that success or satisfaction will be found in these relationships or that boyfriend or girlfriend or husband or wife or that sexual pleasure. Uh, we, we, we have false realities in our life, but we have to realize that what happens as we grow in truth is we grow in reality as God sees it. And that is real reality. Like that's what I want to be as a church, to give people a view at something real. That my life is messy. Our home is messy on a daily basis, right, Kate? It's messy. But guess what? The truth in the reality is that our God is a God who lives with us in mess, constantly providing us joy despite it. But when the beep in our church is that you have to have a clean life, people miss the reality. Does that make sense? When the, the beep is that uh, you, you have to show up and, uh, and put on this act, then you miss the fact that reality is that Jesus has already showed up long ago. He died, and he has forever changed us. I want to be a church that lives and shows a reality. But it continues, so you will know my truth, and this is my favorite part. It says, and that truth, that reality will be bring you freedom, liberty. It will set you free. We know that truth, that, uh, the, have you ever heard that truth will set you free? Well, it's because when you have reality, when you can sit back and remember, oh wait, <laughs> people can make their own decisions and it's often not gonna be how I fear in my head. You have that aha moment when you realize your fears were dumb and <laughs> it's not gonna be as bad as you feared. That's freedom. Right? The, the, the feeling that you have when actually reality sets you free from where you were, uh, where you were, where you were plagued in. And this is what Jesus does on a real and eternal level all the time in our life. But we have to be a church that walks this, that continues in his word, 
that is his disciples, because true disciples make the mistakes, and that's what allows people to see reality, not just hear the beep and respond to it. And then people get to see that we are people of freedom. I have a story of freedom, constantly. God is showing me his reality versus my false reality, and when he does that, freedom is found in our marriage. When I realize that I, I don't have to keep applying what I thought would work onto the now, that God is, is healing and redeeming even my past through what God is doing in our marriage, and he's constantly re- bringing freedom. But we miss that if we do not start continuing in his word, living as his disciple, and so forth. Because truth brings freedom. This is what I like about this passage. But the truth that brings freedom also brings tension. So let me just tell you what happens in this room. When Jesus says, if you continue my words, you will know my truth and the truth will set you free. They get really confused because they are descendants of Abraham. They are Jews and good Jews. And guess what? They are not slaves to anyone. In fact, like what's about to happen is they're missing the point because when we talk about freedom as believers, freedom brings tension into the room. Truth brings tension. And as Christians, we need to learn how to manage that, how to speak into tension, how to showcase it. And so it's going to keep going in scripture. And it says this, keep forgetting that I have to do this. Boom. Says Jesus, uh, so he said, the, the, the truth will make you free. And then they answered to him, we are descendants of Abraham and have never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean by saying the truth that you will be set free, that you will be made free? In other words, they have a whole history of freedom. What does this Jesus have to say? And can I tell you that this is a question that is asked by our culture all the time? Um, can I just be candid with you? People look into the church and say, that looks like slavery. I'm not in slavery. That looks like bondage. I'm not in bondage. Uh, The the culture of our world always looks in and says, why? Why are you doing? What do you have that is different? Because it doesn't look like I need it. This is what the disciples are saying. What do you mean that your truth, Jesus, are going to set us free? We're not slaves. This is literally the calling card of our culture. Like, but I don't need Christian, Christianity. I'm glad that you need it, that you need freedom, but I don't. I don't need freedom. In fact, that looks a little bit more like bondage. I had an Uber driver the other day, and uh, our car broke down, and so I had an Uber to go get a rental car. It was just a crazy day. This was after our other car was in the shop because someone hit us. And so it was just like all things are just flying out of proportion. So I'm in this, uh, the Uber, and uh, he is a, um, he's from Jamaica, and so we're having this good conversation, and we started talking about truth, and truth being just different things, and he knew who I was, and I was telling him how many kids, and it's just like a whole conversation of itself when people hear that I have four kids. They're like, did you start having babies when you're 12? I don't understand. Um, and so it's just a, it's a funny conversation. And then we start just talking about life and how hectic it is and 
all of that. And it's just good things always spur on when I just laugh about how young I look. I'm like, yes, I'm not, I'm not 17, I promise. Um, and so it's just funny things always come. But in this conversation, we talked about freedom. And he just talked, I used to, I used to go to a church, but that just was bondage. And he kept using the word bondage. It just was bondage. And I think it's because all the unspoken beeps that people pick up in the church. People, the, the world sees a disconnect between truth and freedom. And as people, our number one value is to live in truth. It's our opportunity, our, our job to show them the connection and to do it in a real, vulnerable, authentic way. They were confused, but Jesus, what do you mean that we will be made free? I said the world, yep, I already said that part, there you go. This is always the hard thing. I'm used to like the, the clicker. One of you, will you be my clicker next week? I'd love that. I'll just speak that out. <laughs> Colin says, yes, please. Someone be a clicker. Um, so it's, it's very interesting. The world does not see the connection between truth and freedom. I think it's because we do a really good job of talking about truth, educating people on truth, speaking our opinions on truth, um, vo vocalizing them and making statuses about them on Facebook, but really struggling with actually living it. And I think it's because of all these other things that we live in. And so I'm about to show you a whole lot of things that we live in that as Glory Church, if you're, if you're going to be a part of this launch, we are going to always live in truth over these things. And stuff like this. We live in opinions a lot. You cannot be a follower of Jesus and live in your opinion for very long. <laughs> you start realizing that your opinion is still based on your past struggles and past fears, and your opinion will always end up being at odds with Jesus. And so as, as, a, as a, a believer, we always have to allow truth to supersede our opinion, because my opinion is uh, to just, you know, jumpstart a church. <laughs> I, I struggle with the, uh, the whole building it up because my, my mind is like, oh, this is so much and things don't work as, as fast as I want. I'm the personality that's like, shoot first, then do, like point the, the gun at the right thing. Um, and so it's just my opinions don't matter. Truth does. Another one, preference. We live in preference. When a believer looks into a church and sees a lot of preference, or when a non-believer looks in a church and sees a lot of preference, uh, they see the disconnect between truth and freedom. I don't know if you, you've ever been in a relationship with someone, but it's, uh, if I always just talked about my preferences to Kate, <laughs> think of how much of a bondage that would be. How how literally restricting it would feel for everyone around me if I just always lived in my preference, lived with my opinions. Oh, it goes more lived in my personality. The truth of Jesus will always supersede personality even. In fact, the most dangerous thing that a church can do is to just have one personality attached to it. Um, Kate is an introvert. And so when she walks into a church and everyone's like all over her, like high-fiving, and she's like, this is not, ah, you know. But, but another one, if a church just lived in the personality of always being happy and optimistic, we would sometimes forget that 
Good Friday happened and that there was something to mourn. We would forget to mourn with those who mourn, but also those who, who their personality is more maybe emotional and you can fly by the seat of your pants in that. There's also times when Jesus calls us by his truth to be self-controlled and to let other people speak or to, to not be, be tossed by the wind. And so a lot of times we live by our personality instead of pausing and living by truth. Another one, we live by our, whew, our wants, our desires. When the earth and the world around us sees that we live by our comforts, especially millennials who are very social justice focused, and they look in a church that's living in comfort, they struggle to know freedom because it's not communicated very well. But we also have to show the beautiful connection of reality, that God is here and we, what we were, we are no longer. And that's what we struggle when we just live in comfort. Because my comfort is to, um, I don't know about you, but I would just rather not talk about the bad things of my life, right? It would be more comfortable to not tell you how I yelled at my kids, or it would be more comfortable to not talk about the, my past. It would be more comfortable to just move on. But truth is, and we'll get to this, is the story where Paul says, I do what I don't want to do, and what I don't, and what I do want to do, I don't do. But what I keep doing is that which I don't want to do. He's living in this reality, this tense reality, that it's not comfortable, and he's making sure it's not. It's the woman at the well who goes and is like, hey, everyone, I just met a man who knew all about me. <laughs> and he loves me. That's not comfort. That's not comfortable in, in a worldly sense. But truth is <sighs> that Jesus brings so much more comfort in a very different, unworldly sense. Another one, we can't live in our fears and in our lies. And so in the room, Jesus gets really blunt to people. He says, uh, and I, I love it, if you keep talking, working down, I won't, I'll give you a paraphrase of it because it takes a little bit of time to get into it. But then they're like, they're like, but Jesus, no, we are descendants of Abraham, Father Abraham, and we've never had like we've not been in slavery and he was like no you would discover freedom if the sun sets you free and we're like no but and they keep going back and forth no but we are we are descendants of someone else and so this is the passage that Jesus goes into it, it states that Jesus answered them very truly I tell you so you say you're not a slave everyone who commits a sin is a slave to sin and the slave does not have a permanent place in the household. The son has a place there forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. And say they're still missing the point of truth because in their mind, truth was, I'm a, I'm a descendant of Abraham and I'm already part of this home. I'm already here. I've already arrived. I was born into this, Jesus. I was born into that. And now you're talking about Sun setting you free, and if you keep reading this, like literally mark John 8 as a must-read, because then Jesus is going to be like, no, if you were really Abraham's descendants, if you were really Abraham's children, then you would do what he did, live by faith, and yet you keep living by everything that you get born into. 
you're really, you're really, that was, they're dropping balls up there. Um, you're really a, a son of your father, the author of lies. And you just read this and you're like, oh, Jesus went there? And they're like, but no, we're not illegitimate children. And they're just like having this argument. At the very end of the chapter, it says that they want to kill him and he leaves. You see, truth will always bring tension. But what we have to realize is that people who live in truth constantly, it's how to manage that, how to speak into it. Because there are people who don't like truth, who will run out, who will leave. But the story that we have is of this, that we realize that we were slaves. Because there's going to be people, and I'm so excited about it. There's going to be people that come and realize that for the longest time they've been a slave to their sin, that they thought that, that that addiction would bring them meaning, but really it has become a bonding source for their life. It has it pushed them down further into depression, into isolation, into loneliness. And they will realize at one point that slavery has an answer. Who the sun sets free is free indeed. And there, there is a time when that will happen. But we as people of God who live in truth have to always walk it. And the walking of it is sometimes hard. Because as, as Glory Church, my hope is that people will start coming in and seeing their life is different. That people in my neighborhood will see their life is different. They don't live by these unspoken beeps. <laughs> they, they, their life is not managed. In fact, oh, I loved it. I wish Celine was here because uh, he, he came to my house and he was like, your house... <laughs> Your house looks like a hood house. That's really, I won't tell Kate that. Um, won't tell Kate that. But I'm like, because the dishes aren't done? He's like, yeah, this does not look like a white person house. And I'm like, it is. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I am. Uh, and so it's just really funny that in his mind, I have to be clean. And that's how I live. And so it's just really powerful to already start seeing it, that, that walls get broken down as we live as people of truth. And living as people of truth is tense and messy because we don't live by these beeps. We live always asking, God, how are you changing? How am I to show that? How am I, how am I to live it? Because the Son has set me free and I become free. But the last thing I want you to say is that our value of living in truth is because of this. Living a life that lives in truth will always shine an ongoing story of freedom. And this is where I just want to land. Jesus had to talk about that there is no freedom without someone, the Son, without someone who has authority setting you free. Now Jesus is not here to verbally say that. Our role as his people are to constantly show that we have a story of freedom an ongoing one. Maybe you've heard me talk about how I want to be a church that honors the process that people are in, uh, that, that I want people to be able to come in and just have mess because that is how we all are. Uh, it's a different degree, a different, uh, a different placement of the mess. But the reality is that when Jesus saved my soul, it did not clean up my messy habits. He just brought me into a new kingdom, and I still have a whole lot of bad habits to deal with that are messy. 
And so that is the work as we walk this road together. If you were at the first startup party, we talked about that we are going to be people who, who, who grow and, and show the one degree of glory to the next, that that's how we're transformed. And you cannot do that without sharing your ongoing story of freedom. Living in truth means continuing his word. We got that. Always asking Jesus to give me a new reality, to not live in my opinions. But at the end of the day, if you are not talking about who you were and how God is still changing that and offering you freedom, then you're not living in truth. Because truth always deals with the tension. Truth, the story of real truth, of reality, is that you had a liberator who brought you and is continually bringing you liberty. It's when, when uh, the blind man says, I was blind, but now I see. We have that story, and it's ongoing. So at Glory Church, you always hear how God has set me free last week from something. Like, I, I will always lead by that, because I want you guys to lead by that. I want that to be the beep, the unspoken rule, is that we live as people who live in truth. And truth is one and the same with freedom. And I cannot live free without having a story of once being a slave and then a liberator giving me liberty. It's just this interesting line, but we as churches, as people, often um, don't show that process, that line. When you go into your work or your home, the most valid thing that you can give is to show people the step that you were in yesterday and how God has given you the strength to take that step today. And that's really strange, but that's what living in truth is. It's saying, yesterday I was there, God changed my reality, brought me freedom, and I was given the strength to take today's step. That, that is living in truth. Because truth is tense and messy, and it will always cause it an, an attention in your own heart. So I look out, and you guys are working in jobs, rubbing shoulders with people all the time. The best thing that you can do is to be very open and vulnerable about what God is teaching you step by step, what he's scraping away, what he's bringing freedom, and how he's bringing freedom into your life. And that's how we will do this together. I want to be a church. Now, on February 9th, people walk in and feel the unspoken rule that freedom is there. And then they will see the spoken stories of the people who greet them, who it's not just a, I'm so thankful that you came today, but it's a, let me help you with your kids. I've got kids of my own, and goodness, I cannot even tell you the morning that I had. Because in that quick conversation, I can break down all barriers and show you that I'm a human who I made it here today too by the grace of God. <laughs> but I'm just so thankful to be here with you. That's what living in truth is. It's an always on, always continuing, always letting it linger, and just living in that. And I'll tell you, it's really hard because people want to kill you at the end. <laughs> right? The end of the story of John 8 is that they try to kill him and he has to leave because it's not yet his time. I used to tell my students this uh, when I was a student pastor, that I will smell good to you at times, but there are also going to be times that we smell bad as a church. 
And we smell bad because there will be people who don't like the truth at which we live, the way that we uncomfortably love. And sometimes that smells bad to sin. Have you ever walked into a place and you felt really uncomfortable because it doesn't look put together? Or you're, you're at a, let's be honest, at a mission trip overseas and it's just out of your element and there's mess and you wish you could just constantly have Germex near you and it just literally smells bad. But what you're dealing with internally is a fragrance of Christ that you're not used to. And we got to learn that living in truth will always mean battling that and putting off our preferences and keep going. So I've always tell, I can always tell when someone is struggling with like fears or doubts or worries or, or sin struggles because Greg starts smelling bad to them. And they think, like, oh, we'll just give Greg spay. Like, I don't, I don't want to deal with that. And I, I just always made jokes. Uh, I led small groups all the time. And I could always tell when someone was pulling away. And it was often because what we were talking about started smelling bad. And it was causing them to be a little more uncomfortable because they'd have to be honest with things. I want to be a church that always lives in that. Thanks for listening to the Glory Podcast. For more information about this message or Glory Church, please visit glorychurchkc.com.